Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un meet in Russia. North Korea could provide artillery shells, rockets, and um, even though North Korean ammunition is very inferior, um, Russians may have no choice. Plus, Russian ships attacked in Crimea. According to officials from Russia, uh, it was a submarine damaged and uh, a battleship damaged. And later in the program, a close look at Ukrainian naval operations. And we meet an American occupational therapist helping Ukrainian soldiers after they've suffered the loss of limbs. Today is Wednesday, September 13th. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Russian ships were attacked in Sevastopol. And Ukraine was attacked in the Odessa region. We'll hear from Anna in Kyiv shortly. We begin, though, in Russia's Far East, where North Korea's leader, during a meeting with President Vladimir Putin, has vowed his full support of Russia's war in Ukraine. AP correspondent Karen Chamas reports. North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un arrived to a warm welcome in Russia as a military band lined the platform at his arrival. In a meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin the following day, Kim said, Russia is waging a sacred fight to defend its sovereignty, security interests and justice against the hegemonists. And we have always expressed full and unconditional support for the actions taken by the Russian government. The meeting took place at the Vostochny Cosmodrome, where Kim toured the Soyuz 2 space rocket launch facility. The meeting location suggests the North's desire for Russian assistance to develop military reconnaissance satellites. For Putin, the meeting with Kim is an opportunity to refill ammunition stores that the 18-month-old war in Ukraine has drained. I'm Karen Chamas. For more context and depth on the meeting between Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin, I'm joined by Yun Jung-cho of VOA's Korean service. So um, Putin is looking for artillery shells and anti-tank missiles, um, which Kim Jong-un could provide to Russia. And this will help with Russian forces fight the war in Ukraine. Um, Russia is running short of conventional ammunition in their war with Ukraine. So um, North Korea could provide artillery shells, rockets. And um, even though North Korean ammunition is very inferior, um, Russians may have no choice but to acquire those inferior ammunition from North Korea because um, Russia is not able to produce fast enough to keep up with the use of those weapons against Ukraine. Now, North Korea, in return, wants to get advanced technology for satellites and nuclear-powered submarines from Russia. North Korea's military spy satellite launch has failed twice this year, and North Korea is planning to uh, try its third launch in October. Um, Russia can definitely help with certain aspects of North Korea's satellite and missile technology. Now, analysts say that it is unlikely that Russia will provide 
entire ICBM technology to North Korea because in itself it's very sensitive and it is a crown jewel for Russian military technology as well. But Russia can definitely help with certain aspects of satellite and missile technology. Um, Kremlin spokesperson also said today that Russia sees prospects for cooperating with North Korea in space. And especially the venue where Kim and Putin met is Vostochny Cosmodrome, a symbol of Russia's ambitious space power, Russia's most advanced space rocket launch site. Earlier on Wednesday, uh, Kim had said that he stands by Vladimir Putin in his fight against evil in Europe, um, mm-hmm. meaning that the, the West and Western Europe, the United States represents evil. Has Kim said anything before this meeting about the war in Ukraine? So North Korea provided political support to Russia by recognizing the independence of Russia-installed governments in breakaway provinces in Ukraine under Moscow's control. Um, and also, before this, not Kim Jong-un himself, but Kim Jong-un's younger sister, very powerful Kim Yo-jong, said publicly in its state media that North Korea stands by with Russia in the war trench together. So North Korea has consistent, consistently provided support to Russia's war in Ukraine. Now, North Korea and Russia, Putin and Kim as individuals as well, are, are both heavily sanctioned by the U.S. and Western countries. They're both seen sort of as international pariahs in, in groups like the U.N., They share uh, a small border, but a a land border nonetheless. Um, What's the relationship between the two countries like? What's it been like generally over the past several years? So for the past several years, Russia and China has been hampering with U.S., South Korea, and Japan's efforts in U.N. Security Council to... um, impose sanctions on North Korea's illicit missile launches. Um, And the cooperation between North Korea and Russia has accelerated since the war in Ukraine and since Russia has become more of a pariah of a state. Um, Long before, during the Cold War, I mean, their relations started long before during the Cold War. This is when North Korea tried to play off Russia and China off against each other while maintaining good relations with good countries to get more concessions from these powers and to have upper hand in its relationship with Russia and China. Now, four years and five months ago in April 2019, there was, again, a summit between Kim Jong-un and Putin. And this was when um, Kim Jong-un met with President Donald Trump and when their meeting in Hanoi, uh, Vietnam has failed when President Trump walked away from that meeting and Kim Jong-un had, was very difficult diplomatically. And this was when Russia has an upper hand in its relations with North Korea. But after four years, uh, situations have changed, tables have turned. Now North Korea is an upper hand to provide the desperately needed ammunition to Russia. Now, I know that information is sometimes hard to get from inside North Korea. Do we know what the people of North Korea are being told about Kim's trip abroad? North Korea and Russia together on Monday announced that um, there will be a meeting between 
Kim and Putin. I mean, the only source of information for people in North Korea, other than Voice of America, is its own state media. And state media has been following and updating um, Kim's travels and reporting on that to the people of North Korea. What the results are and the assessment of it has yet to been broadcast in the state media yet, but uh, people are getting the um, basic information of Kim's travels in Russia. And do we have any sense of what the public opinion is? Uh, d- do the people approve of Kim's travels? Do they want to see North Korea supplying ammunition to Russia? That's really hard to tell because... Um, the only source of where the public uh, sentiment could be found would be through state media. And state media has yet to um, broadcast any such um, contents yet. But whatever they do broadcast would be all propaganda and not the real sentiments of the North Korean people. Yunjung Cho is a reporter with VOA's Korean service. Yunjung, thank you for your time this morning and thanks for your reporting. Thank you for having me, Steve. An exhibition shining a spotlight on the anti-Kremlin punk group Pussy Riot, displaying photos and videos of the group's performances, opened on Tuesday at a gallery outside Copenhagen. The exhibition covers nearly a decade of Pussy Riot's performances in Russia starting from 2011. The leader of the group, activist and artist Maria Elohina, attended the opening and gave journalists a tour of the exhibit. It's important to show to the people what way Russia done during these 10 years because for a lot of people this war became a surprise and invasion became a real shock. So through the perspective which we collected uh, by our actions and the context which was surrounding the actions, you can easily see the level of repressions which was growing all these years. Elohina escaped from Russia disguised as a food courier in May of 2022, months after the beginning of Moscow's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, In Russia, this is the worst moment I ever seen in my life. Uh, Some of my friends are imprisoned for nothing. They received huge prison terms like eight years, for example. And there is a war censorship, as I mentioned before. It's illegal even to call the war the war. The exhibit will run until 2024 at the Louisiana Museum of Modern Art in Denmark. Another vocal critic of the Kremlin is U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., Linda Thomas-Greenfield. She spoke Wednesday about Paul Whelan and Evan Gershkovich, two Americans that Washington says are being improperly detained in Russia. Russia's actions are beyond cruel, and they are a violation of of international law. Two wrongfully detained Americans... Brittany Greiner and Trevor Reed have now been reunited with their families. But Evan Gershkovich and Paul Whelan still languish in Russian prisons on baseless charges. Mark my word, the United States will not rest until Evan and Paul and all wrongfully detained Americans are home safe and sound. And we urge the international community and the United Nations to stand with us to stand on the side of justice and to condemn Russia's flagrant violations of international law.
It has been nearly six months since Evan was arrested. To that end, Evan's parents have delivered a petition to the United Nations, a petition that calls on this institution to make clear that Evan Gershkovitz has been arbitrarily detained and to push for his immediate release. We urge all member states to join this call for Evan's release and, to, and the release of all those who have been wrongfully detained. That's U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., Linda Thomas-Greenfield. You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Steve Karish. Russian ships damaged in Sevastopol and in Ukraine, ports in the Odessa region, are again targeted. I'm joined by Anna Chernikova in Kyiv. As, as usually, we do not have direct official confirmations from Ukrainian authorities that Ukraine uh, is responsible for these attacks, but definitely there are rumors around and definitely it looks like that Ukraine is involved, at least somehow, uh, let's put it this way. But uh, anyways, uh, what we definitely know that it was uh, quite a quite a huge attack, quite an intense uh, intensive attack with um, a couple of uh, a couple of missiles uh, used, uh, particularly ten missile missiles used, uh, as was reported by the Ministry of Defense of Russia. And um, according to officials from Russia, uh, it was a submarine damaged and uh, a battleship damaged. And also there were reports about over 20 people injured. However, uh, what we are also hearing uh, from the Ukrainian officials, uh, the the commander of the Air Force of Ukraine, Mykola Olyshuk, made a a little statement uh, commenting on 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 the attack on Ukraine over the night, he said that um, while uh, Russians are still uh, kind of getting back to life after the Sevastopol attack, I would like to thank Ukrainian air defense for their great work uh, over the night. So basically, he mentioned that the attack was happening, and he kind of mentioned that this is somehow connected to you know these attacks uh, that Russia also are is. Um, uh, it, it continues to uh, to implement uh, on the territory of Ukraine. So let's get to the attacks on Ukraine in a moment. Uh, I want to focus on Sevastopol for another minute, if I can. Mm-hmm. Why is it such a strategically important place? According to uh, to experts and also according to uh, to media outlet Defense Express that made uh, a little uh, investigation of of this attack, um, it's important to understand that for Ukraine it's extremely difficult to uh, damage or destroy such kind of equipment, uh, such kind of uh, uh, of um, um, ships and uh, submarines, especially submarines. And the only way to destroy uh, this, as we can see now, and at least this is what uh, Defense Express um, also is analyzing, is to actually destroy at the uh, place of dislocation. And this is exactly what Ukraine did. It was an attack on the port and uh, on the place where all these uh, ships and um, submarines were located at that point. So, uh, and according to Defense Express, again, 
we might even talk not only about damage but also about uh, the the at least one submarine and one ship destroyed so again we don't have uh, any confirmations yet and uh, we cannot verify this information independently but still uh, it looks like that uh, the attack was quite successful at least reaction in ukraine is quite you know um, at least rumors inside ukraine are quite positive and uh, a lot of people are talking about success You told us the other day that the Ukrainian special forces had recaptured some oil rigs. We've heard before about Snake Island, uh, the sinking of another Russian ship. It seems, though, that Ukraine's naval forces are, are getting more and more powerful. Uh, well, we definitely can say that Ukrainian Navy and uh, forces and Ukrainian intelligence forces uh, are getting access to this to, to this area, to this water um, uh, water area, particularly that uh, basically Odessa region and Crimea are sharing. If we can put it this way, because because as, if we look at the map, this is exactly where all this action is happening. So uh, those three locations that you've just mentioned, they're quite far away from each other. Of course, it's like in the same area if we look at the map, but still uh, we cannot say that it was just uh, one, you know, one special operation that you, connects all these three. It was definitely separate, uh, separate operations uh, prepared by Ukrainian forces. But, uh, but of course, this creates this, you know, full picture of uh, of Ukrainian getting access uh, to this area in general. And uh, for Ukrainian forces, uh, it's definitely a good sign that Ukraine uh, gets additional capacities. Now, you had mentioned earlier the attacks against Ukraine, uh, particularly in the Odessa region. Uh, What happened? Uh, yes, again, yet another attack on the Odessa region, and again this attack uh, on the territory which is bordering Romania. Uh, so it's it's just getting uh, more intense in that area. Uh, and again, uh, the port infrastructure was uh, was under under the main uh, was the main target and was under the main attack um, and um, unfortunately again we have uh, confirmation from the Ukrainian authorities about uh, in people injured civilians injured at least seven people uh, and uh, another damages of the port infrastructure and uh, grain storages uh, uh, particularly this attack that we are talking about in Dasa region uh, it's Ismail and uh, Reni so it's like port regions uh, and uh, we can see that it's uh, th- the main target is the grain uh, grain storage and grain uh, and vas- and grain vessels that storage the Ukrainian uh, wheat and uh, and other products. And we'll leave it there for today. Anna Chernikova is in Kiev. Anna, as always, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Steve. We've just heard from Anna about some of the recent triumphs of the Ukrainian Navy. For more, VOA's Oleski Kovalenko speaks with retired Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery. And moving to the other topic, moving to the Black Sea. Ukraine has recently successfully on multiple occasions used the sea drones. Could you explain what uh, impact the sea drones can have on this war? Well, this has been serious uh, and a seriously good job by the uh, Ukrainian um, uh, operators. Uh, first, having um, you know their uh, I think their own domestic uh, Pelican and then Harpoon, you know uh, Western provides Harpoon systems has kept the Russian Navy off of 
Ukrainian, you know, outside 100 kilometers, even maybe 130 kilometers away from Ukrainian uh, shores. What this is doing now is taking the fight to the Russian ports, taking the fight to Russian ships in transit. Um, this is a significant um, uptick. It's, it's, it, you know, I put it on the same par with the attacks on the Kerch- on the bridge, you know, between uh, Crimea and, and Russia. I believe that, you know, these are the kind of things that demonstrate future risk and consequences uh, to the Russians, both to their military and to their economic viability over time. And, uh, and I think it's great. I know over the last few days, last 48 hours, the Ukrainians have conducted some special operations into Crimea itself, uh, you know, to demonstrate the, the, the weakness of, uh, of Russian internal defenses there and to uh, damage some Russian logistics sites. But I think these attacks on the bridge and these attacks on the ports and on ships at sea are significant. And they demonstrate some innovation that, uh, you know, has been the hallmark of Ukrainian war fighting over the last 18 months. That's Oleksiy Kovalenko of VOA's Ukrainian service, speaking with retired Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery. And finally today, treating and rehabilitating patients who have lost limbs on the battlefield is a harsh reality for Ukraine's healthcare workers. An American occupational therapist has been in Ukraine for several months to help. Omilan Oshudliak has the story from Lviv. Occupational therapist Robert Motley Jr. makes games part of his therapeutic regime. He came up with all these games like football with softballs. We also started combat tourniquet training for patients who want to return to the front lines after rehabilitation. So even with prosthesis, they can apply a tourniquet on themselves and on others too. We're eating lunch with them. If we have some free time, I'll play chess with them. We'll go play basketball. Sometimes we'll get dinner together. I think in the United States, it'd probably be considered crossing a professional boundary. But here, I think it's, it's all therapy, right? Motley spent several months working with patients at the Superhumans Rehabilitation Center near Lviv. In the U.S., he served in the military after completing four years in the Reserve Officers Training Corps. Just one week after he arrived in Lviv, the city was shelled by Russian forces. I think the, the hit was a little less than a mile away from me, so it was pretty loud. If you're in Ukraine, some places that happens every day, so it's definitely eye-opening. A car accident ended Motley's military career in the U.S., but not willing to leave the sphere altogether, he decided to become a rehabilitation specialist to work with injured veterans. His patient Roman is preparing to get his prosthetic limbs after eight months of waiting and rehabilitation. He served in specific units, dealing with mountain warfare and rescue missions. He trained with the Mongolian army. That really impressed me. We have a lot to talk about. Motley had once volunteered with a search and rescue crew in the Wind River mountain range of Wyoming. In Lviv, he stays in shape, frequenting a rock climbing gym. His creative ways help veterans adapt to their new reality. I'm treating hands, but I'm also trying to build as much independence as I can in their daily lives, right? So it's not just, okay, can you make a fist? It's okay, can you hold a spoon to eat borscht? Uh, Can you hold a fishing rod? Can you cast it? Um, are you able to, you know, pick up your child? 
According to the Wall Street Journal and estimates by prosthetic firms, doctors and charities, between 20 and 50,000 Ukrainians have lost one or more limbs since the start of the war. Omelianos Shudlyak, VOA News, Lviv, Ukraine. And that'll do it for us today. Stay up to date with continuing coverage on Ukraine and news from around the world 24 hours a day. Visit us online at voanews.com and on social media be sure to follow VOA News. On behalf of everyone at VOA, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Karish. Washington, bam, 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 zip, D.C.